How to win a bar fight and practice diplomacy while negotiating a bounty on your head. From Civil Wars, Whistleblower Tactics, Schematic Drafting, and the Finer Points of Sith Adoption, The Essential How-To Guide for the Engineering Jedi, by Jack Daw read by Sam Gabriel, based on the works of George Lucas. Content warnings available in description. Chapter 2 in darkness of an endless tunnel. And in other news, while there have been no further public appearances of the mysterious young man we know as Luke Lars, it's said that he's scheduled to appear along with the rest of the Death Squadron fleet's high-ranking officers in the upcoming event known colloquially as The Gathering. Isn't that right, Rena? It sure is, Rana. And while there haven't been many updates on the boy who's been taking the galaxy by storm at Lord Vader's side, the rumors that he'd been severely injured in an accident seem to have evolved. Apparently, there is now talk of foul play, though our sources were reluctant to elaborate on that. And though they say the situation was swiftly handled and won't repeat itself, do we really know that that's the truth? You make a good point, Rena. There is truly no telling what happened on the flagship executor that day without some insider's knowledge, listeners. Or at least that's what we thought. Stick with us, because after this break we'll be taking a look at the engineer's social media accounts ourselves to see if we can catch a glimpse of what's happening behind the scenes with the Outer Rim boy who won Lord Vader's favor. And now a word from our sponsors. With a frustrated sigh, Zevulon Veers tapped the side of his earbuds and shut off the inane chatter. Nothing again, just gossip and rumors and the same recycled factoids all other news sites and channels were sharing. He supposed that he should be happy about that, but at the same time it was frustrating work trying to keep tabs on Luke's presence in the galaxy, stationed as he was on a flagship whose route and location were kept a semi-secret by the state, he was as close to a ghost as any intergalactic rising star and celebrity could be. He left the gossip rags and conspiracy theorists frothing at the mouths as they tried to get their various appendages on any scrap of information about Luke they could. As for him, however, he heaved a sigh as he switched his calm window over to the message center, the latest message in the queue bearing the name Luke had chosen to input into Zev's contacts. Luke Lars, Chief Scrap Hunter. Hey, Zev! We're running through the final preparations over here for the gathering. You wouldn't believe the amount of paperwork this is requiring, but we're steadily working our way through it bit by bit. I'll be joining Vader tomorrow for the inspection of the fleet before we arrive. Apparently this is a prime opportunity for me to be introduced to them, which seems to be the polite thing to do after I kind of became responsible for them having to overhaul major parts of the fleet. <laughs> Just hold on a little longer, Zev. We're coming for you. Luke. He sighed as he knocked his head back against the wall behind him, the leaves of the plant climbing over the masonry brushing the top of his hair. Just a little longer, Luke had promised him, just a little longer until he graduated from this place a year early and could bid Compnor farewell forever. It had been hell to study for finals this year, having had to take a second set of exams right after he thought he'd already had the exam season for the year behind him. Thankfully, the last year in the academy was generally nothing more than gaining work experience and partaking in internships, so the material hadn't been too different. Still, it had taken him pulling three weeks of all-nighters running on more caffeine and stim shots than sleep in order to prep himself for the special exam that had been slapped together for him last minute. Something he still couldn't quite believe had happened, but apparently, when a request came in from Darth fucking Vader himself to speed up a particular student's graduation schedule, there was no option to say no. 
So he'd sat there three days ago, all alone in a classroom with a single professor, taking an exam that, while it hadn't been a cakewalk by any means, clearly hadn't been up to the same standard as the one he'd taken before that. Softball questions and subjects that he'd excelled at while skipping most of the usual propaganda and political reliability tests altogether. Something told him that it had been very deliberately crafted to make damn near impossible for him to complete it with anything less than flying colors, and that same something told him that the faculty was making damn sure that he looked every bit the part of a prized nerf at a farmer's festival when they handed him over at the graduation ceremony, primped and proper, and in no way a troublemaker or a rabble-rouser. No, sir, Darth Vader, sir, he's one of our very finest students. Just look at his record. He snorted softly at the mental image. Perhaps Luke had been more right than he'd thought when he'd said that Zev needed a runner, with the way the faculty was now treating him as a proverbial sacrificial animal to be fattened up before the slaughter. Sighing, he opened his eyes and looked down over the school grounds. With the trees of the adjacent forest valley only just starting to turn brilliant shades of blue, purple, red, and orange for the autumn, it was a breathtaking sight in the afternoon quant sun. The mountaintop where the academy was located truly was a place of beauty, and some part of him regretted that it was home to as ugly an institution as this. That part would miss the deep, lush forest below the school, left nearly untouched due to it being the property of the school, would miss the vine-covered halls that changed colors with the seasons where the school, set into the mountain as it was, opened up into the outside, would miss sitting in his dorm window, overlooking the snow-covered peaks in the morning as the sun slowly rose to illuminate them. A different part of him was completely ready to trade the seamless blend of architecture and nature in favor of durasteel hallways and recycled air if it meant never having to see the school ever again for as long as he lived. He didn't believe for a moment that the professors thought he would last for more than a week on the executor, but they were nonetheless more than happy to deliver him to his presumed death in the prettiest bow they could manage if Lord Vader requested it of them. They didn't know what the second most powerful man of the galaxy wanted him for and didn't care, as long as he didn't screw up until long enough after he graduated that it didn't reflect on them, they were more than happy to cooperate. Zev couldn't tell them either. The NDA he'd signed with Vader and Luke present was very clear on the fact that he couldn't reveal his future occupation to anyone until he was picked up, for fear of security leaks and the potential for Zev to be targeted or even turned against his future employer. The Dark Lord had made sure that Zev knew such a breaching contract wouldn't be tolerated, and that if he broke his agreement in any way, he would know. And the consequences wouldn't be pretty. The message had been more than clear back then, and was still crystal clear now. Don't tell anyone. The most he was allowed to tell was that extenuating circumstances had come up that required him to graduate sooner than expected. Neither the faculty nor the students were to know anything about his employment until Luke and the rest of his madhouse arrived to supervise him. Something that should probably have felt demeaning, but when he'd been confronted only three days later, with Luke being carted off by a whole contingent of red guards to meet with the Emperor, he'd finally reached a realization that not even meeting Darth Vader face to face for a job interview had been able to spur. Luke Lars was going to be a big deal in the coming years. Bigger than he probably realized. There was just... There was something about the way in which Luke had interacted with both Lord Vader and everyone around him, and if there was one thing Compnor had been good for, it was honing his skills for reading between the lines, the very skill that Luke had effectively hired him for. And that skill told him this was all far from a flash in the pan like some people tried to claim, or that Lord Vader would tire of Luke sooner or later. It simply didn't fit what he'd seen the day he'd negotiated and signed his contract. 
The easy comfort that had passed between his two future employers when he'd finalized his future employment was something leagues above tolerance, and a different beast entirely in his private opinion. Still, he almost regretted the need for the NDA he had to sign when taking the job sometimes, just wishing that he could tell people what was really going on with all this. With all the commotion, he'd unfortunately slipped from social outcasts flying under the radar to social pariah, and the school gossip had soon followed suit. At least the faculty had stopped targeting him ever since it became clear that bigger fish than them had an interest in him, but the students were a different matter entirely. With no way to defend himself from the rumors that didn't involve a whole world of legal trouble, they'd gone from annoying to nasty to downright vicious in the span of only a few weeks. One day he had failed his exams so spectacularly he'd had to retake a special version of them, the next he was being pulled out of school by his dad because of the sheer embarrassment he was. It had already grown exhausting by the first few days, but by then he'd already been neck deep in studying for his second set of exams, so he'd lost the will and time to pay attention to what was being said about him. Now, three days after his final final exams had ended, he dreaded to find out what kind of turn the rumors had taken and what he'd been branded while he was too busy to pay attention. So here he sat, tucked away on a ledge just below the balustrade of one of the open-air hallways. The hallways were hewn out of the very side of the mountain and covered in colorful vines, giving the ledge Zev had perched himself on excellent cover to hide from the wider school now that he no longer had his studies to throw himself into. Then there was, of course, the little fact that two paces away, the ledge dropped off into a sheer cliff face that stood at an eighty-degree overhang and facilitated a drop approximately half a click straight down, and that anyone would have to be insane to willingly sit only two paces away from. Just the little things. He sighed as he looked out over the valley below from his vantage point. It was a magnificent place, and one would never guess that only just behind the opposing mountain ridge there was the sprawling metropolis of the capital. Nor would anyone guess that the beautiful school just behind him was a place where individuality and critical thought came not to die so much as to be publicly executed in the courtyard and put on pikes as a warning to others a thin layer of masterful paint over a rotting, festering core. Here, on his little private ledge, where no one ever thought to look, he could at least pretend that for a moment everything really was as beautiful as the eye perceived, and not just a thin veneer for a nest of some of the nastiest people he'd ever had the displeasure of meeting. Unfortunately, he couldn't stay here forever, and with the position of the sun over the mountains, he didn't even need to check his chrono to know that it was probably time for him to get out of his hiding spot and back to his dorm to await the results of his exams, and face the whispers behind his back as well as the not-so-subtle stares. Grinning as he heaved himself up to his feet, Zev carefully watched where he set them, half a quick long drop two paces away from here, quickly dusting himself off while glancing around to see if anyone had seen him, Zev set on his way back to the dorms. Currently being in the eastern wing of the school, he had quite a ways to go before he made it back to the dorms. Thankfully, with classes by and large being over for the year, the eastern wing was practically abandoned, save for some faculty here and there in favor of the more recreational southern wing of the school. Unfortunately, he would still have to pass through either it or the courtyard to reach the dorms in the western wing, and since he didn't feel like having to deal with the drills that were undoubtedly being held in the courtyard— he undoubtedly would have to deal with the majority of the school population who at the moment had nothing better to do or focus on than waiting for their own exam scores, or any potential distraction they could find. Sighing as he made his way down the vine-covered hallways, he took the time to marvel at the interplay of purple leaves, white and pink marble, and golden sunlight, 
if only to pretend that he absolutely wasn't dreading the orrery atrium he was slowly approaching and the arching passage that would lead him into the southern wing, or the students already milling about in said atrium. Swallowing down his fears and the rising bile while shoring up the courage, Zev resolved to simply walk and keep walking until he'd reached his dorm. Head held high, he strode into the atrium and mentally thanked his dad for supplying him with the genes that had let him grow the long legs he needed to make this journey as fast as could be. Unfortunately, not even the slow humming and rattling sounds of the orrery as the planets made their rounds around the sun were enough to drown out the din of barely hushed conversations, if they were bothering to hush them at all. Keeping his pace quick, he could only hope that none of them noticed him and that he'd make it through. And I heard that the faculty had to call him in for a redo of his original exam because the general of the 501st couldn't have a failure for a son. He clenched his jaw and squared his shoulders. Force fucking damn it. No, really? I heard that he had to do that exam because he'd failed his other one so badly that his father is now pulling him out. And they have to salvage the situation so it doesn't end in a complete fiasco. He lengthened his pace. Just ignore them. And there's rumors he might be getting disowned after all this. I mean, did you see the way this staff is treating him? They have to be pitying him. Undeserved, I might add. I certainly never needed that kind of treatment, and... They didn't know him. They didn't know what was going on. Their opinions didn't matter. They didn't. Think he'll even survive after he gets home. I know that if I were his father, I would end him for bringing this kind of shame. Probably not. I wouldn't be surprised if we'd never hear from him again. We wouldn't anyway. He's nothing like us, but good riddance either way. How much further until the dorms? So you don't really think that this whole thing is a cover-up, and they're just waiting to disappear him so his father won't have to deal with the fallout? No, I do, but... It was only when he began breathing hard that Zev noticed that his pace had sped up into a near jog, and his jaw was starting to ache with how tightly he'd clenched it. He needed to slow down. He was only drawing more attention to himself and can't believe they're letting an obvious criminal just walk around like this. What would his father say? Fuck it. Power walking down the halls with as tall as he was almost certainly drew more attention to him than he'd ever wanted. But he wasn't sticking around to hear this. He didn't need to hear this. Just a couple more weeks and he was out. Out of here, out of Copnor, out of this living nightmare caked in empty luxury and beauty. Luke had promised him an out and by all the gods he didn't believe in, he was clinging to it. The life of a secretary. Nothing that he'd ever expected, and everything that he now wanted. Just filing paperwork, typing up correspondence, scheduling appointments, and explaining politics to someone who so far had proven himself to be Zev's one lifeline of sanity and hope. Being stationed on Darth fucking Vader's battleship sounded like a fucking dream compared to this. A dream job where he could just fade into the background and simply run errands behind the scenes. Compared to his current life and the spotlight force, he wanted it. He stormed through the doorway leading to the southern wing just as the planet Kala and her five moons rattled by overhead, mercifully drowning out the vicious whispers for just a moment. Not that it lasted long. The southern wing was the recreational and specialist center of the school where the gyms, pools, art studios, workshops, dance hall, club rooms, and spa were. So essentially everything that 80% of the school's population would now be looking for after a harrowing exam month. 80% of the school population, and he was currently the number one gossip topic. 
The moment he stepped into the arcade that served as the central vein of the southern wing, the hiss of whispers, murmurs, and the occasional normal conversation filled the air, the sound like a nest of angry tukas having a hiss-off. The sentiment seems to be not too far removed from that mental comparison either. Ducking his head down and keeping his pace fast, he tried to block out the poisonous lies that followed him everywhere like they were the unvarnished truth. Failure, embarrassment, dropout, disowned, dead man walking, criminal, traitor. He swallowed as the last one pierced deeper than he wanted it to, a secret that he held in his chest rattling uncomfortably against the ribcage at the mention. A secret, and only one person in the whole galaxy knew the truth. Forcing himself not to react in any visible way to the accusation hissed behind his back, he sped up his pace, wanting to have arrived at his dorm two hours ago by this point. Maybe if he just shut himself in his room until all this was over? Hey! Hey, you! Veers! He groaned as he stopped to see what it was now, something telling him that it wasn't going to be anything good. Sure enough, a posse of about five guys was walking over to him, and the one that seems to be the ringleader was looking a tad too pleased with himself. "'Yes, can I help you?' he asked, putting about as much warmth into his voice as there was in a freezer. The ringleader snorted and shot Zev a grin that effortlessly conveyed just who he thought was the lower social rank here. "'Don't get snappy. The whole school knows you're on thin ice.' and you can't exactly afford to wreck your reputation further, now can you? If there was one thing being taller than three-quarters of the school was good for, it was gaining a near-unparalleled ability to look down on someone with caustic dismissal. The school, he emphasized with icy disdain, is circulating a bunch of rumors, with what little kernel of truth they still contain, buried under more than sixteen layers of nonsense. I'm perfectly fine, thank you, and my expediated graduation was merely due to extenuating circumstances that I can't disclose, not whatever sensationalist cocktail evil created to entertain yourself. The ringleader barked out a laugh along with the rest of his cronies. Oh, someone's trying to be a lawyer, the guy to the right with two long bangs taunted. Good choice, the one with a bump in his nose jeered. They'll take anyone. The squad of goons promptly laughed it up like a posse of clowns, and Zav rolled his eyes. This wasn't worth his time. Good day, he said as he turned back to his route, ready to just put his earbuds back in again and forget the rest of the school even existed. Uniform protocol on wearing audio devices be damned. It wasn't like his reputation could get any worse and the faculty could no longer touch him. What he didn't expect was for the ringleader to quickly clamp a hand around his wrist, barely hearing the mocking, Whoa, what do you think you're going? He instantly clenched his hand into a fist to tense all his muscles, twisted his arm around the ringleader's arm, and grabbed the guy's wrist when he was forced to let go with crushing force. Gratified to see the ringleader's face immediately freeze as the discomfort and pain of Zev's grip began to register, Zev didn't allow him to get a single word in before he got right up into his face. Don't you ever, he hissed, voice dangerously low and cold as ice, touch me without my permission again. He punctuated the last word with a squeeze of his hand that had the ringleader's jaw clench in response, his face tight with pain and fear he didn't want to show. Do we have an understanding? He growled, the sound rumbling low in his throat. The guy's face twitched, eyes trying to focus on both Zev's eyes at the same time, and he made sure to keep his own fixated on the same spot, nearly smelling the fear on the ringleader. 
Finally, the guy seemed to get some of his composure back as he yanked his arm out of Zev's grasp. Get off me, you savage, he spat, but something shook in his voice. Zev straightened up and narrowed his eyes at the guy, keeping his face carefully blank and expressionless, well aware that they were being watched from all angles. I'll pretend he didn't say that, he informed Ringleader evenly. Now then, good day, gentlemen. Not so fast, Bang said. We've got actual business with you. Groaning as he turned back around, only just far enough to glare at the kid out of the corner of his eye, Zev barely had the patience to keep the majority of the acid out of his voice. Then be quick about it. You're all wasting my time, and I have no interest in continuing this conversation. Maybe not the smartest thing to say, considering that these guys were almost certainly the children of some powerful individuals and likely set to inherit that power. But with his future prospects tied to someone who the conventional power structures couldn't even touch, he couldn't bring himself to care in the moment. His suspicions were confirmed when Ringleader immediately darkened several shades and his eyes lit up with indignation. Do you even know who I am? he demanded with an air that expected an answer that had Zev backing down quietly. Unfortunately for Ringleader, he'd chosen the wrong target, who had nothing left to lose in social standing. No, he told him bluntly, turning back around fully just to give the guy a once-over and raise an unimpressed eyebrow. Should I? The outraged, gaping expression that stared back at him for a split second was as gratifying as it was regrettably temporary, and Zev resisted the urge to roll his eyes when he heard Ringleader inhale his first breath for what was obviously a self-important announcement. I am Cormus Allen, ringleader apparently named Cormus, declared importantly, and a few vague echoes began to click into place in Zeb's mind when Cormus delivered to him the final piece of the puzzle. Crown Prince of the Alun System. Ah, that connected the final couple of dots for Zev. He mentally thanked his foresight for taking a course on the mid-rim and its socio-political history. Isn't that the planet with so few hyperlink connections— the Empire forgot its existence, and it was assimilated nearly two years late. Johannes? he asked dryly. Somewhere behind him, someone whistled lowly, and gasps could be heard from all around. Great. They had an audience. Better end this quick. So, while Alun was still looking like he'd just gotten slapped with a fish and his lackeys, who Zev was pretty confident in noting down as the upcoming dukes or whatnot of Alan, were still gaping at his remark. Zev took the two-second reprieve to brace himself. Sure enough. You little! Alun spat, but Zev had had about enough. Your business with me, Johannes, he repeated with a venomous glare and a disdainful hiss. I'm out of patience, and if I don't get an answer, I walk. Alun leveled him with a glare that might have been intimidating if there was anything at all that the guy could do to him. If he attacked Zev at the moment, he didn't doubt the staff would be on his side— if only to protect their investment in him as essentially a delivery for Darth Vader. Director Magni wants to speak to you, he eventually growled, and Zev's eyebrows went up at the mention of the man who'd seen fit to personally take charge of the whole exam fiasco situation. He said he'd be waiting in his private office. Zev offered the seething prince a cold smile as he dipped his head. Much obliged, Johannes. He thanked him with no little amount of veiled sarcasm. You'll have to excuse me. Good day, gentlemen. Not waiting for any kind of response, and determined to keep the last word, he immediately spun on his heel and stalked off.
which was easier said than done when he noticed that there was a whole cluster of people gathered around him and alone in his clique of goons. Though they parted quickly before him as he approached, though he couldn't tell if it was respect, fear, or apathy now that their entertainment was over that he saw in their faces. It didn't matter, though. Or rather, it mattered as much as their opinions ultimately did, which was the same result again, except with extra steps. Leaving the crowd behind, he lengthened his pace and put as much distance between them and him as quickly as he could. Director Magny's private office was thankfully in the western wing as well, though in a different part than the dorms, and it only slightly changed his course. Hurrying through the arcade of the southern wing in the hopes of avoiding more confrontations, he found that at least wondering about what this could all be about made for a good distraction from all the murmurs that followed him wherever he went. Director Magny wanted to talk to him, and the more he thought about it, the more the conclusion seemed obvious that it would have to be about his exam results. A thought that settled in his stomach with all the subtleties of a granite boulder. How would this kind of thing even be handled? He almost doubted that they would fail him, even if he scored the lowest possible grade on the test. They wanted him in that graduation ceremony, and they wanted him gone from this school when the gathering came, something he and they could finally agree on. So what would be waiting for him in Director Magny's office? He almost got so lost in the question that he didn't notice it when another boy came up to him. Servilonvius? A timid voice asked. Biting back several curses in languages definitely not considered sophisticated enough for the halls of the academy, Zev looked up to who was bothering this time. "'Yes,' he answered brusquely, at the end of his patience. The boy on the end of his snappish response flinched back slightly at his tone, and Zev forced himself to soften slightly when the boy gave him a sheepish smile. He sighed and cleared his throat. "'Yes,' he tried again, much gentler. I, I, I'm Tyrion, the boy introduced himself, and Zev gave him a quick once-over. Reddish curly hair, pale eyes, and a dusting of freckles over most of his face. Not the face of one of the more popular kids, that much was certain, no matter what he was set to inherit. Can I help you? Zev asked him, even as his heart wasn't really in it. I have someone to be at the moment, so I'm not sure how much I can do, but— Oh no, Tyrion quickly assured him, hands waving frantically. I'm not looking for anything, I just, uh, Dr. Magny is looking for you? He mumbled as he rubbed his elbow, and Zev fully relaxed. It seemed the director really hadn't been content for Prince Nobody to find him eventually, and had sent out the entire cavalry to retrieve him. Thank you, Zev offered sincerely, managing to scrape together some residual energy to give Tyrion a smile. But I was already on my way to see him. Corma Saloon made sure of that and promptly regretted it now that he'd likely lost at least some kind of street cred amongst the student body, unless he had the quick wit to spin it to his favor. Oh, Tyrion blinked, looking uncertain what to do with that info for a moment before shaking it off. I see, I'll, I'll try to find the others and inform them. Zev blinked and dipped his head. Thank you, that would be appreciated. And that should be the end of it, but is it true? Tyrion blurted out just as he started to turn away and he immediately looked taken aback at his own question, even as he didn't back down. The, the rumors, is, is any of it true? And for a moment he looked so earnest that Zev actually thought for a second before opening his mouth. Yes, was the surprising answer that came out of it. Some of it is true. I had to take an extra exam so I could graduate a year early, he admitted, before giving Tyrion a long look. But that's not what you're asking, is it? Caught out and with no recourse, Tyrion flushed a deep color and lightly shook his head. No, I, 
I, I suppose not. Sorry, I, I won't, I won't bother you again. Zev hummed as he observed the boy. Either he was far better at playing the political game of intrigue than Zev was, or he was genuinely bloody awful at it. If you must know, he said with a smile playing around the corner of his mouth, no, nothing bad happened for me to have to do that. And no, I can't tell you what it is. There's extenuating circumstances. Let's keep it at that. Right, Tyrion quickly agreed as he bobbed his head in a nod, fidgeting for a moment before quickly sticking out his hand. Tyrion Quara, it's nice to meet you, he offered with a lopsided smile, and Zev's eyes went wide despite himself. Quara? Zevulon Viz called me Zev, and likewise, he returned as he took the hand and shook it, and then he had to ask, Quara, so you mean that... Tyrion shrugged his shoulder and nodded sheepishly. Your mother and father are in charge of the ring up here, he said with a vague gesture towards the southern half of the sky where the massive ring of quat drive yards circled the planet. And some of the cities down here too, he added with a self-conscious smile. Zev's mind hastily drenched up any additional info he could think of. The Quadda family controlled the vast majority of Quat drive yards, and subsequently were the dominant dynasty on Quat by default. But with the way Tyrion was behaving and the fact he was standing here in front of Zev alone, despite his current reputation, it still doesn't protect us, does it? He added softly before he could think better of it. From our peers. His suspicions were proven correct when Tyrion quickly averted his eyes, shoulders tense, and yet not saying a word. They stood there in silence for one moment, too, before Zev abruptly remembered where he had ought to be going. Right, he mumbled. I need to be going. Director Magni will be waiting for me. And before he could doubt himself. And I'm sorry. It isn't fair, and you deserve better. He sighed quietly and turned back to his path, already trying to put the incident out of mind when... Zev... Zev... Wait! He turned back to find Tyrion standing there, one hand partially lifted like he'd tried to reach out before he thought the better of it. He averted his eyes again, but it didn't last long when, with an audible swallow, he finally worked up the courage to look him in the eyes. I'm... I'm sorry, too, for... for everything. It... It isn't right, but I... He fell silent again as he seemed to reach the end of his courage, but for Zev, it was more than enough. He nodded and tried for a slight smile that was hesitantly returned. It might not mean anything in the long run, but it was nice to know that there was at least some silent support for him, even if they hadn't spoken out. If you ever need the cover of a bigger scandal, just come stand by me, eh? He offered with a grin, and Tyrion startled into a short laugh. I'll remember that, he agreed with a toothy grin before dipping his head into a shallow bow. Walmut, Zevron Veers. Walmut, Tyrion Quar, he said as he copied Tyrion's bow. Now then, if you would please excuse me. With Tyrion's quick nod and a last smile, Zev was off again. Long strides carried him quickly through the arcade, and though the whispers still followed him wherever he went, it was like a barrier had been thrown up around him and the words could no longer reach him, they weren't all people thought of him, and there were those who didn't think that way. That was enough. By the time he reached the western wing, the whispers had started to eat away at the corners of his shield, but from here it was only a hop, skip, and a jump to the director's office. Passing through the wide arch that led into the western wing was a breath of fresh air, 
The whispers abated, the crowds grew less thick, and by the time he was walking into the faculty section of the wing there was hardly anyone in the halls, and those that were there at least had the good sense not to gossip about him where he could hear, with the only murmurs he could hear around him being personal conversations that didn't seem to feature him in any way, he let his shoulders relax from their stiff position and unclenched his jaw. The faculty may not care about him any more than he could advance their personal agendas, but they were at least wise enough not to screw with their supposed ticket to personal gain. He wondered what they would all think once it became clear what was actually going on, with whom he'd actually thrown his lot in. He wondered if it would even matter, if anyone would recognize that Luke operated as a distinct entity who didn't care for their games of power and social climbing, who was so deeply weird amongst the elite that Zev himself had had trouble distinguishing whether or not he was being genuine at any given time or just playing a masterfully crafted high-risk mask, especially after he'd caught a glimpse of what hid within the ever-cheery but strangely mysterious teen from the Outer Rim. He'd thought about it often, that conversation they'd had on the floor of one of the most exclusive guest suites of the Imperial Palace, the conversation, the revelations, and how terrifyingly easy it had been for him to spill his guts to someone he'd barely met a day before. When he'd left Imperial Center and had his first moment to have a good, long think on the way back to Quat, he'd gone cold with fear as he realized just what he'd confessed to a virtual stranger. All his darkest secrets, the ones he'd never trusted to his parents or anyone else, and they'd come spilling out like someone had struck a pipeline within him. And it had been so easy, so breathtakingly easy to confess to years and years worth of trauma and pain and secrecy, while two shockingly blue eyes had seemed to look right through him, deep down inside, and see everything he didn't want them to. Even the weight of Luke's own secrets felt minuscule to what he suspected Luke had been able to see laid bare within him. Luke, who'd known and seen more of him than anyone else had in recent years, prying him open and peering inside with all the gentle ease of a Horusbex from the tales his mother had studied. Luke, who Zev was certain was hiding things a little deeper down inside of him that would spook him even worse than the revelation of what he was capable of, of what he was. A happy, innocent, naive, easy-going ex-Holonet star. That was what Luke Lars was supposed to be. Instead, he found a mind of lethal intuition and intellect combined with a charisma and charm that had Zev swearing his allegiance to him in less than five collective hours of being in his presence. Never mind the disturbing realization that he was sitting across a trained civilian black ops agent specialized in high-risk hostage rescues, infiltration, and extraction in hostile territory, not to mention assassination if need be. The person who coined the phrase, never meet your heroes, really should have added a clause explaining that sometimes they could end up being far more than you had bargained for, and lead you into a world that you barely knew how to navigate, or that you could be liable to find out about the fact that they had apparently committed multiple first-degree murders while locked in a kitchen with them. Combine that with the job interview, and it had been a bad night's sleep for him that day, and the next. But here he was now, and that initial shock and fear in regards to Luke had faded by the day once they started sending each other messages and hollows. Messages in which Luke for all that he was capable of, still sounded every bit the friendly, kind, and slightly odd enthusiast of all things mechanical that he was, sometimes sending him funny stories about working on his latest projects, sometimes complaining about work or his co-workers, and always capped with a reaffirmation of his promise to get Zev out. 
and only the occasional thing hidden between the lines that let Zev glimpse that the person who'd left him with sleepless nights was still very much there, just below the surface. He heaved out a sigh as he looked up. The hallway in which Director Magni's private office was located stretched out in front of him, the polished marble floor dappled with the scattered refractions from the crystal chandeliers. His footsteps echoed within the hall as he reached the door to the office he was looking for. It was rather hard to miss, seeing as it was covered in gold filigree and inlaid mother of pearl. Reluctantly putting the enigma that was Luke Lars out of mind, he reached over to the delicately crafted lock and pressed the bell to announce his presence. Not even a second later, the lock crackled to life with the nasally voice of the director. Yes? Who is it? Zevulin Veer's director, he answered, trying to keep the exhaustion that was starting to creep over him out of his voice. I was told you wanted to see me. Mr. Veer's, the director's voice greets it in a tone that was clearly attempting to be welcoming but fell tragically short. Do come in. With the welcome given, the lock whirred as a loud click could be heard, and the two halves of the door silently slid apart without a sound. When they opened, they revealed the office Zev had become painfully familiar with in the last two months. Burgundy walls covered in portraits of former faculty he estimated were at least twice as large as he was at their smallest, matching hardwood floors and furniture all in the same vaguely purple-reddish wood, and the biggest and most intricate chandelier Zev had ever seen used for a space as small as this one. Not that the private office was small, mind you, not without one could most certainly hold a gymnastics class in here without even having to remove all the delicate bits and baubles displayed everywhere. Behind a heavy desk that was about as long as your average sports speeder sat director Hieronymus Magni, the current head of the Compnor Academy for the Exceptionally Gifted, the name about as much of a farce as the man who acted as its face. Short, pencil-thin, and never seen in anything other than a tailored suit pressed to perfection, the man had a demeanor that reminded Zev of opportunistic predators not afraid to use underhanded tactics to get their prey. Considering the fact that the man had managed to pry the role out of Director Richton's hands through a combination of bribery, blackmail, and blatant kowtowing, he didn't think the assessment too far off. Add to that the fact that he had yet to assert his dominance, so to speak, and the man was desperate for anything to boost his reputation. As evidenced by his willingness to deliver a student to what he had no doubt, the man thought of as his inevitable death at the hands of Lord Vader. Unfortunately, there was no time for personal grievances here, and soon enough they wouldn't even matter anymore anyway. Director Magni, he greeted curtly as he walked up to the bureau, coming to a halt just beside the guest chair situated just across the director and towering over the man. You wished to speak to me? Yes. Sit down, sit down, the man said as he motioned to the chair, which Zeb promptly did. Folding his hands neatly in his lap and doing his level best to appear entirely unaffected by everything around him, Zev capped a level look at the director as he waited for the man to talk, an event that thankfully didn't take long. As I have no doubt, you've already deduced, I did not call this conversation for a laugh, Mr. Veers, Director Magni postulated grandly. I called you here to discuss an important matter. Namely, your exam, or rather, the results thereof. Zev barely resisted raising an eyebrow at that sentence. Getting your exam scores privately from the director himself? Talk about some blatant favoritism. They really weren't even trying to hide it anymore, were they? 
Well, then don't leave me in suspense, sir. What are my results? He said mildly, not giving the man the satisfaction of even a single inflection in his tone. Just a couple more weeks and he was out. Just a couple more. It earned him a frosty look from the director, but evidently his complete unwillingness to play along with any of the Academy's games anymore wasn't enough to warrant any kind of reprimand, at least not any more. Sniffing slightly, Director Magny pressed a button just under his desk that brought a small hollow projector to life, displaying familiar strings of numbers and letters. His exam results, and judging by what he could see, "'You'll be pleased to know,' the director announced, cutting off Zev's train of thought, that you passed with flying colors, and are hereby invited to receive your diploma at the upcoming graduation ceremony alongside those who successfully passed the year above you. And just like that, the last of a weight he didn't know he'd still carried around dropped off his shoulders. He'd done it. With a bit more help from Luke and Lord Vader, he'd finally, finally be free in only a couple of weeks. No more comp nor, no more pressure to follow in his dad's footsteps. No more of what were frankly some of the worst damn months in his life. Right after when Mom became sick. In a few weeks, he'd be leaving the Academy behind, and he'd never have to set foot in it again. Thank you, sir. He somehow managed to work out without betraying the whole roller coaster of emotions he'd just gone through. I'll be there. Not even a whole herd of wild nerfs would be able to drag him away from this. He was getting that damn piece of paper, come what may. Director Magni cleared his throat. Yes, about that, he trailed off, dithering and delaying until Zev finally got fed up with the man. Yes, Director Magni, he asked with only trace amounts of sarcasm in his voice, raising an eyebrow at the man who apparently just couldn't spit it out when he wasn't staring directly down the length of his nose at a student and had to treat them with some modicum of respect. Is there something else you wish to bring up? Yes, well, hmm. How to say this, the man muttered as he barely seemed to restrain himself from twiddling his thumbs from whatever nerves he was under. Do you, have you, perhaps, possibly received correspondence from your benefactor on whether or not he will, well, be attending? Director Magni asked voice nearly breaking over the word benefactor as the mere reminder of Darth Vader's hand and all this seemed to break his mind a little more with each thought. Zev couldn't resist a small smile twitching at the corner of his mouth as he nodded once. Oh, yes, I have. He took great pleasure in admitting, reveling in the guaranteed misinterpretation the director would have. We have regular correspondence, and according to his latest message from yesterday evening, everything is proceeding right on schedule, and they are set to come retrieve me at the gathering. Not one word spoken was a lie, and yet he knew right away that the man wouldn't for a single second think that Lord Vader was perhaps acting on the behalf of someone else. No one in their right mind would think that, unless it involved the will of the Emperor. But here they were, and Darth Vader was throwing his considerable political weight behind ensuring that Luke Lars would be able to hire him as a secretary, with everything being above board. For if he wasn't living it, he would have thought it an especially bad premise for a bizarre piece of surrealistic fiction. Still, none of that seemed to come even close to soothing whatever fears or nerves the director had, and at that point, Zev was frankly getting more than a little bit of satisfaction out of that fact, especially when his already pasty complexion went even paler at the mention of regular correspondence. Ah, I... I see, he said faintly. I suppose we can... expect him for the ceremony, then.
and Zev didn't know how, but somehow Director Magni's face seemed to go even more hollow with every word, looking sick at the mere idea of Darth Vader being on the same planet as him. How this man was employed by Contmore, primary distributor of all things propaganda and thus Darth Vader-related, was a mystery to both Zev and likely a large part of the student body, with no charisma, charm, gravitas, or even general presence to speak of, Zev personally suspected that there must have been a hell of a lot of greasing of palms involved in this appointment, though in all fairness, bribes exchanging hands in all manner of ways seems to be how more than one faculty appointment was handled within the academy, so at least it was consistent. "'I wouldn't know what the plan there is,' Zev answered him honestly, "'but I would not discount the possibility as distinct, sir.' mostly because Luke was involved, especially because Luke was involved. Director Magni opened and closed his mouth several times before eventually nodding faintly. We will keep that in mind. He barely managed to get out, and Zev wondered if he would have to get the on-campus nurse before this meeting was even over. Was that everything you needed me for, Director? He asked quickly, trying to redirect the man's attention and hopefully stall his rising blood pressure. Can I be excused in that case? Director Magni startled at his voice, but immediately regained focus. Right, of course. Thank you for your insight into the situation, Mr. Veers. You may take your leave now, and further information on the upcoming graduation would be sent to your Academy account. He trailed off, already looking lost at the very idea of Lord Vader showing up to attend the graduation, something Zeb didn't think was especially likely but at the same time his lordship had always seemed to be more than a little reluctant to leave Luke's side and vice versa, so he made sure not to write it off just yet. In any case, it wasn't his responsibility to figure out that situation in any way, shape, or form, so he quickly dipped his hands toward the director and got up out of the chair, walking out of the office as fast as he could manage without appearing rude. His head was buzzing quickly as he opened up the sliding doors, and though the sound seemed to shake the director out of his stupor for a moment— Zev was already in the hallway by the time the start of the sound reached his ears, and, speeding up his pace, walking through the faculty section, he'd let himself slide into autopilot as the buzzing in his mind grew louder. He'd passed the exam, something that didn't really feel like it had ever been up for debate, but still he'd done it, and he was effectively free. Death Squadron was already on its way to Quant, and with it, Luke. He'd passed his exam and was effectively no longer under the Academy's jurisdiction, save for the completion of a couple formalities. His dad could no longer change the path he was going to walk, even if he'd seemed oddly okay with it in their last two days in the palace. And with his upcoming job as secretary on his resume, he had about as much use for the Compnor wrecking lists as a Tuca had for a bath. He was free. The sheer weight of that thought made him come to a halt in the middle of the hallway as it began to sink in. He was free. He was finally and truly free, and would stay that way if he'd estimated the power of his future employer right. The ground swayed underneath his feet, and he quickly took a few steps towards the nearest wall for some support. Leaning heavily against the cool marble, he took a deep couple of breaths as his thoughts echoed back at him as if through a feedback loop. His knees gave out, and he sunk to the floor. Free. Free. Fucking force he was actually free. No more military drills that felt like they were forcibly trying to gaslight him into liking them. No more bouts of paranoia as he feared that the ISB would suddenly decide to reopen his case. No more crushing isolation as he felt like the loneliest person on Quat at any given time. Just a couple more weeks and he was finally fucking free. Ma. 
Lily, he murmured as if in a haze, the faces of his friends drifting in front of his mind's eye. Four years, it had been four years since he'd last seen them that awful night, and yet his mind painted them as young as ever. Can you hear me? he asked the air softly, imagining his friends there with him, those he knew were still alive at least. I'm out. I'm free. He heaved out a gasping laugh that almost sounded like a sob. I'm free. P.T., Rolf, Gwen, I'm out. I made it, he whispered, and hoped that somewhere far out in the galaxy they could all hear him, that somewhere out there his words weren't in vain, and that they'd all meet again someday, safe and free. I made it, he whispered again. And he didn't have to imagine it when at least three voices whispered back to him that they hadn't. It wasn't fair to do that to himself, it wasn't. For as he'd been a kid, they all were. It wasn't fair to himself, it wasn't. It wasn't his damn fault. But that never did stop the thoughts, did it? Tears stung at the corner of his eyes, and Zev shook his head as he wiped at them, forcing himself back to his feet. If he was going to cry... He was doing it in the privacy and comfort of his own bed, and not in a public hallway where everyone and anyone could come to gawk at him. Ruthlessly stuffing the thoughts back in the little black box that always seemed to leak out whenever he least wanted them, he began to take note of where he was. The hallways and art hanging in it looked familiar enough, and stumbling forward a bit brought him to the realization that he'd carried himself within two halls of his dorm. Thank the fucking force. Still unsteady on his legs, Zev probably shouldn't have gone as fast as he did, but he was beyond caring at this point. He was currently in his worst flare-up of survivor's guilt in two months, after a day that had already felt like it was dragging on forever, and all he wanted right now was to crash on his bed and forget the world existed for a moment. Nearly falling into the door of his dorm, he fumbled for his code cylinder and nearly dropped it before getting it into the lock. The door hissed open and he gratefully stumbled inside with the dorm essentially being a small apartment that consisted of one common space and two bedrooms with attached freshers. Zev really shouldn't have been relieved as he was to realize that Quinn was still out and about somewhere on campus, but hearing the door lock behind him while standing in a blessedly silent dorm where the light was streaming in from the large windows on the soft yellow walls was soothing to the point that he hardly had a word for it. Tension leached out of Zeb's body as he slowly shuffled to his room through the slightly cluttered but mostly neat living room, and with Quinn having left the speaker system on again, there was a quiet tune of jazzy music drifting through the air. Safe haven. Sweet safe haven. Turning up the speakers slightly as he passed them by, he let his door lock into its open position when he walked through it. Anything not to be alone with his thoughts right now, and the music was far from offensive besides. Sighing, he began shrugging off his uniform's jacket and towing off the boots, eyes sweeping over his room as he searched for the box he kept for just these times, bed still neatly made and looking incredibly inviting right now, closet with a coat hanger on it, and more than one secret tucked away inside where no one would look, bureau with all kinds of academic supplies he hopefully wouldn't have to look at for some time coming, and a soft, triumphant sound escaped him as he noticed his box settled right beside his bureau. Tossing his jacket onto the coat rack and his boots haphazardly by the door, Zev quickly nudged the box out from its hiding place with his foot and opened it up. Inside, he found his trusty calm-the-hell-down combo of a packet of special tea. 
He found he could only get back home or order through one of three specialty sites that smelled like better memories when brewed. A plush porg that was both obscenely soft and pulled double duty as a fantastic stress ball, and a weighted blanket that was as fluffy as a tuca's ruff. Unpacking the plushie and the blanket, Zev popped his earbuds back in, wrapped the blanket around himself, and promptly collapsed onto the bed. Groaning as he turned and rearranged into a more comfortable position, Zev fished his calm out of his pocket and flicked through his music menu until he came to an ambient noise recording that usually worked well to shut his brain up during an episode. When the clattering sound of rain and the slow rumbles of thunder filled his ears, he let his calm fall onto the floor and paid no further minds to it, instead focusing on calming the last vestiges of anxiety and panic in his brain. He'd had a long enough day already without tacking a panic attack onto the end as well, thank you very much. And frankly speaking, just laying in bed like this was already enough to let him know how damn tired he was. Everything ached a bit, and the guilt still gnawed away at him in the shadowy corners of his mind, taunting him with things that had already taken long enough for him to understand weren't his fault. He glared up at the ceiling like he could convince his mind of what he knew and so desperately wanted to believe was true. From everything he'd read about it all, from the first time he'd encountered the term all the way up until now, it would take a lot longer for such a wound to heal. Unfortunately, that didn't take away from the fact that Zeb was still very much annoyed with his brain for dragging this all up right when he'd finally gotten the first bit of good news that day. Any moment, but it had to be right then. He bled a breath and rolled onto his side, looking out the window directly opposite of him and showing an incredible view of the great shipyard ring that encircled Quad, glittering and shimmering on the horizon as it neatly faded into the blue of the sky, one of Quat's moons joining it in a pale crescent. He hummed lowly as he looked at the sight, the soothing sounds of a thunderstorm drifting around him like a haze as the weariness of his body and mind began to drag at him more and more. Huffing out a quiet breath, he reached up to take out his earbuds and dropped them down onto the ground with his calm, the quiet tunes of a brass instrument and bass strings filling the air once more as he closed his eyes. Some part of his brain was still panicking, but a larger part than that was just plain old exhausted from the day he'd endured. Being an outcast had been hard enough, but being a pariah and the most notorious person in the academy was even worse. But it would be over soon. It would be over, and he would have a chance at something different and, hopefully, something better. For now, he was just tired, though. Tired from the relentless rumors and mockery, Tired from the way people either seemed to treat him as a laughingstock or a sacrifice, more than willing to be made for social advancement. And tired of the guilt that still haunted him years later. And he was free. A small smile pulled up at the corners of his mouth as he remembered the moment less than an hour and two months ago that had definitely set him free. Tired he may be from it all, but soon it wouldn't be able to touch him again. And that thought, more than anything let his mind begin to drift away into a slumbering state that would hopefully release the worst of his anxieties and fears and settle into the gray, murky depths of unconsciousness. He was free of it all, and he was slated to stay that way. With the last breath of consciousness before sleep settled in over him with the warmth of a blanket, Zev thought that perhaps Luke saying he needed a runner wasn't as fanciful a metaphor as he'd thought it to be. The text of this story is available on AO3. 
Theme music written by Jack Darkrai, Sputnik, and Sam Gabriel. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you will consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.